class is in. It's time for Breaking Chains and History Talk with Dr. Lavert Kemp. Sit back, relax, learn, and listen. Pick up the phone and get involved in the conversation. 858-357-9137. Listen and learn who you are. Learn the true history of how society was physically built. Learn the history of who you really are. Learn the history of your people. It's Breaking Chains and History Talk with Dr. Lavert Kemp every Tuesday, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, right here on YAT Radio, leaving a mark that can't be erased by breaking the chains of silence through history. Being brought to you by the United Theological Seminary and Bible College, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Good evening. Good evening to each and everyone tonight. God bless you. And I ask that God will continue to strengthen you. As we prepare to go into that, there's so much suffering going on in this world today. We know that over in the Ukraine, what's going on in the United States, and things are still so problematic right here in our country, in the United States of America. So many things are going on done in America because of the problems in the Ukraine. Children are dying. Uh, Russia is bombing uh, hospitals, schools, churches. It, it doesn't matter. They are literally trying to blow Ukraine off the map. And there's so much, but the Ukrainians are fighting for their independence. And, and so as we see it every night, but there's so many things that left on the table. We uh, should be fighting for right here at home. I don't believe in not having the love and compassion for others, and that I do have. But uh, charity starts at home, and sometimes our heart pulls out for other folks, but in reality, uh we haven't received our just do right in America as African Americans. We haven't received our just do righting. Right now, uh, things are trying to turn the time back. And when I say turn time back, what I'm dealing with is the injustices of the Voting Rights Act. I'm talking about the gerrymandering. I'm talking about voter suppression. And then with all that going on, them voting to suppress our votes then we ourselves as African-Americans are, are so lackadaisical. We don't go out to the polls in numbers unless some specific black candidate is running for office. And so we, we, we lose elections that we shouldn't lose, and we lose different things that we could gain, specifically dealing with uh, our, our country. As our population grow and the population closer and white America is, is up in arms right now. And that's why you see uh, the GOP and just others too all over the globe uh, here in America uh, are upset. They're upset because they will, they're losing power. As the population fastly is growing with Hispanics and Asians, uh, the population are growing. Uh, the population of African-Americans is stable, staying pretty much the same with population growth. Uh, for Caucasians or white, or so-called white Americans, they, uh, the population growth is, is, is down. 
rather them producing offspring. And that's one thing that they're hurting because they feel in the next 40 years that they will no longer be the majority. So they're coming up with all types of voter suppression and do away with the, uh, put who they want to on the Supreme Court and how they try to gerrymander while they are in, in power, gerrymander where they could make sure the odds are stacked against people of color. Uh, all these things are going on right here in the United States, and we're fighting a war against the people right here in America. We find America is fighting against itself with human rights, but yet America could travel all over the world and tell everyone else about human rights, and African Americans, Native Americans, uh, Hispanics, and others don't have the rights right here in America. Although people could come from other nations, specifically European nations, and come and are uh, treated, and they are able to get jobs, they're able to 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 uh, uh, circumvent different things that we're not able to circumvent. Uh, just I noticed that they would allow uh, some uh, Latinos to come from. Mexico and allow them to come into America, but when Haitian, when when the Haiti people from Haiti was going through turmoil right there, they tried to come in. They sent them to other countries. They sent them right back to where they came from. They didn't even give them a chance to come to America. And it's a shame every time some blacks try to come to America, it's almost like you're not wanted. And what's What's ironic about this situation, our president, even President Biden, went along with that. So that's not a star on his chest. Uh, They've been doing that for years. People from Cuba could come here and come to the land. That was okay, especially those Cubans who look more Caucasian than uh, uh, Latino or African-American not African-American, but African-Cuban, they were able to send those back. And so the population have continued to grow in an obvious way, and things are remaining the same. As we uh, look around us, we will see that things are being the the same. We're not moving forward. If anything, we're going back. I said the voting right act. And we still are getting the same thing over and over again. Black kids are being killed. The police are killing kids. They they are coming in houses with these illegal search things and killing individuals when they come in, no no knock warrant. And as they kill the people, they get away with it. And they wonder why blacks uh, riot and blacks do different things. And it's because... You've been getting along with it, away with it, and they say, well, we need to take it to court. When we take it to court, it's always it's, it has always been when African-Americans take something and do it the right way. Whatever Caucasian, whatever murderer kills or policeman kills that African-American kid or adult, nothing, they never have to pay for it. But if a black policeman kill a Caucasian child or a young person, they pay for it. And it's like 
uh, it makes me feel that they figure our eyes are blind or we're just that ignorant that we can't see what's been going on for centuries and it haven't changed yet. And if you say something about it, you're an angry black man or woman, uh, you're living in the past and you're not, the past is right here now. Our, our, our past is here. We still living the past. The same things are happening. Uh, the only thing we see it a little more is because of the uh, invention of the cell, the, the cell phone with the camera, which uh, African American invented. Uh, we 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 need to take our time to look upon things we're dealing with. That uh, George Floyd uh, act that's about the police killing uh, blacks, and I, I, I was doing some studying and. One of the most profound things that I've uh, I've read, other than some statements made by uh, Harvey, but I, this John Lewis, because oftentimes when a black ride, they put it on CNN, MSNBC, and Fox, and everyone is look at how these heathens are doing, uh, uh, burning a city, and uh, 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 ramshacking stores and stealing and burning. When George Floyd died, they didn't come out. They doesn't go out and they tell you how many boogaloo boys and white supremacy was the one doing the burning, and the blacks got the bad rap for some of their things that they done. Now, when when I'm saying that John Lewis, did was actually John Lewis pertaining to. Uh, the ride during the time of George Floyd and the looting and the burning, and uh, he made a profound statement, and, and I think that, uh, that that that's something I take with me to my grave. He said that he don't believe he did not believe in riding, looting, or burning. He didn't believe it, and I don't believe in ride, looting, or burning. But he made this statement. But he said, but. I thought he was finished with his statement when he said, said, made the statement he didn't believe in rioting, rioting and looting and burning, uh, you know, places and things like that. But he, he wasn't finished with his statement because he put that conjunction, you know, uh, coordinating conjunction and but not and all. They say, but you, you haven't seen if there were no injustices, it wouldn't be in Iraq. So when I thought about things, I tried to go back over the times that I could remember in my 70 years. There was never any rise unless some um, civil or social injustice had occurred, or the death or uh, the killing of some black person. It never, it never came because that's the only way African-Americans figured that they could get any justice is by doing something to try to hurt somebody else because the hurt had been perpetrated against us for centuries. And then they say that you acting like savages. Well, I thought the savage is the one to do the killing. I thought the savage was one that raped, sell people child like cattle, like cattle, like, like cattle, like cattle. Uh, you know, take a person and count that person as less than a human. 
hang them, lynch them, burn them. And then they go even further. I thought the savage was the one that killed somebody and do a genocide on a whole race of people. The indigenous race of people here. Kill them and take their land. I thought that was savagery. Thing is reversed today. The very people who who the savage act was against are the people who they call savages. I'm confused with that definition because the, what they call the savage does not represent the people whom they call savages. People in South Africa have been saying about taking their land back, but they claim that they, they want that. That's their land. But if they say that uh, uh, the Portuguese, the Dutch, and the others, the French, uh, not the, the but the British and others, that's in South Africa, claim the land for themselves. They've been there for 300 years. And the black just said, give us our land back. You know this land don't belong to you. You're not indigenous. Fight for our land. But if the blacks start fighting for their land, then America, Russia, and other countries are going to come in and shoot them down like they're nothing. That's the European thing, and uh, we're going to get into the Berlin Conference at a later time. But uh, today, I, I wanted tonight, I wanted to talk about some things, and I want to talk about this person that um, we need to understand about Haiti. We need to learn something about Haiti and how did Toussaint Leoverture, who a man that was born in bondage in a French colony in Santo Domingo to the very day is called called Haiti and enslaved for more than half of his life now, come to be the leader of the most successful slave revolt in the history. And he helped precipitate, amen, I'm about to start now, precipitate the downfall of the European colonialism and different in the Western Hemisphere. And what I'm talking about, in the 17th century, in Santo Domingo, uh, it was striving, a wealthy colony of the Americas. It's sugar, it's coffee, it's indigo, the cotton plantation, the minted money, fueled by, by enslaved, just like America was fueled uh, uh, in the past, was always fueled by the poor slave labor. Now, 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 you have to understand Haiti, as we call it today, during the time was they called it Santo Domingo. The French colonial since uh, 1697 occupied the western third of, of the Caribbean island. Well, you don't today. Some call it Hispaniola. Well, while the Spanish had colonized the eastern side of called Santo Domingo, now the Dominican Republic had revolted against certain things. They need to understand that even with this, they were with the revolt. In 1791, uh, this thing, it, 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 the revolt came about. And this is where you'll find that 
do something to overture. He led this revolt in Haiti in 1779 to 1804. It was one of the most important outcomes of the revolution was that it was it forced Napoleon Bonaparte to sell Louisiana Purchase, and we heard about Louisiana Purchase. That's how the U.S. United States enlarged themselves. The, when you say the Louisiana Purchase, so many states were involved with the Louisiana Purchase. What major results was that that came from the Louisiana Purchase case because of the Haitians. And in this with the Haitians enforcing that, they forced Napoleon Bonaparte to sell the Louisiana Purchase. That was part of Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, uh, Arkansas, Missouri, and many others, Minnesota, and so many other parts of the Kansas, and so Oklahoma, and so many parts of these states were all part of Louisiana, was a, a large part of the United States during the time. And Napoleon Bonaparte, sells the Louisiana Purchase to the United States in 1803. Now, what happened, this uh, resulted in a major territorial expansion of the United States. When Haiti took their independence in 1804, they changed their colonial name from Santo Domingo, the name given by the French to Tia Aino, the name of Haiti, uh, uh, they change, or uh, they call it Creole. People, what they call, what they spell that that Creole back then is their K R Creole, K R E Y O L Creole, and they call it Ayata, which was what they call Haiti, as the first black independent country with a stir of success. How they fought guerrilla warfare. Some call it a ragtag army, defeated one of the most popular and forceful generals of all time, Napoleon Bonaparte. We know him as this little man in the history books when I studied in school and in college. Uh, he always had his hand tucked into his, uh, his uniform. Now, this very same man that we're talking about, uh, two suddenly over to him, he became recognized as general and too suddenly over to him. He led this revolt. He led the army. And he began to have Haiti recognized as the first black independent country with a stir of success from a slave revolt. Haiti was a ray of hope for African Americans in the United States of America. During the 19th century, when I say 19th century, I'm talking about the 1800s. Like France, the U.S. did not recognize Haiti's independence until 1862, precisely because white America worried that Haiti's existence would challenge their slave-driven economy. Now, I, I need to speak to you concerning about that slave-driven economy. If you don't know, when you hear a lot of African Americans and, 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 and Blacks talk about this point that America was built upon slave labor. Well, when they're saying that America is built upon slave labor, they're telling the truth. During slavery time, the 17th and even in the 1800s, 17th, 16th, America.
and exports. Imports is when you buy something and you buy it and bring it into your country. You pay for that. But your exports are when someone else is buying your product. Well, the product uh, in America and during that time that made America who it is today, the wealthiest nation in the world, was slave labor. The greatest money that was made, 60% of all wealth that came to America came from slave labor. And it, it, you have to understand, it was first cotton was the highest, highest rated thing that they were uh, exports. Then was sugar, coffee, indigo. And they, they were doing these things and they were getting money from it because you have 7 million individuals working and they're working for free from sunup to sundown. It wasn't eight hour and you were making any type of wages. You worked for free. And then the most uh, individuals like to say, well, that was only in the South and the people of North was in the freeze and they had textiles and they were making other things that up there. Well, if you ask how you make, well, how do you make textile? Well, the first thing, textile and tiles are made. You need cotton so that it would be cohesive, that'll make it hold together. It takes cotton to put it in there to keep it together. And so they needed the same thing. And then the slave trade was financed by large banks up north. They were learning these, lending these plantation owners money to finance these things. But here they find they had a deep hatred for this man called Toussaint Le Overture, who gained the freedom as a general Toussaint Le Overture led his forces to victory over planters, class, thousands of invading French troops. But that was only the start. He navigated a complex, ever-swift-shifting politics and dual colonial power. He successfully repelled aggressively the European mightiest nations, the French, the Spanish, and English, using his diplomatic gall and cannon, playing them off one after another. He battled them. He conquered the Spanish side of his Spaniards, uniting the island and establishing himself as the governor, as the general, and he brought about this in Pan America. He brought this together the way the people was working, and he worked them, he reopened the plantation. But they were getting paid under what he did. He was very, very intelligent. Now, this is a, a man that was a slave. He fought in the French Revolution. He helped the French. But now listen at this. This is just how, how we get tricked into things. Although we have to find out that Toussaint L'Overture died in a French jail. They tricked him to come to a place. And when he got them there, they arrested him, and he died. Although two Sunday over to died in the French jail, a year before Santo Domingo gained full independence, the rechristened itself as Haiti in 1804, his myriad efforts, set the stages for the establishment of the second sovereign nation in the Western Hemisphere after America, the world's first sovereign black state. Here, how he did it. And, and, and you know, 
they were fighting jungle warfare. And, you know, and, and, and that was during the 1700s. You have to understand, they was doing this in, like, in the 1700s. They fought guerrilla warfare with rakes and holes and things, and they were taking the guns from the French soldiers that, and also defeated seven of the best generals that Napoleon Bonaparte had. And it, it was a blessing for America because it, it instituted them to get the uh, the Louisiana Purchase. Do you know the rebel leaders included uh, two Sunday over to refuse over to a chose to do battle instead with a 6,000-man fleet. He defeated the French. Tucson was aware of his regiment lack of training, but trained his people. He trained them, although they, they, they wasn't trained in combat. We have to understand, when France normalized abolition and slavery in its territory, Tucson the Overture then joined the French force and defeated, and defeated the Spanish army and gained him the name in a campaign against the British, who he had there designated Santo Domingo, which he would change later to Haiti. Now, I want us to understand, this is a man in the 1700s. Now, understand this. Hundreds of years now before the independence was really in America, this man, and well, Reconstruction, in 1791, he did battle. And in 1804, Haiti was a nation, just like America. It was a nation because of two suddenly overtures. So when we study history, let us think about it. But I, I want to speak to you just a little bit concerning. I want you to be aware of something. If you ever notice about Haiti, how the people treat the Haitians, even to this very day, how Haiti is, is treated. I've noticed that people don't trade with Haiti. Haiti has been made a third world country. Even this great nation that we live in, we we have to understand about why Haiti is in the shape that Haiti is in. Uh, Haiti is in the shape that's in because of the people uh, of of Spain and France being uh, against them and not trading with them and making them a third world country. We refuse to accept them to come here because there were the people that stood up for uh, knowing that they're human. There are so many individuals that started things. We know about Martin Luther King, and we know about several individuals that, that was here, but we don't know about two Sunday over to them who showed us, gave us the thing that blacks could fight back and get their independence. They didn't want that in America because they figured that, that this would change the thing because if the slave would rebel here and wasn't working, America could not. Black were not, or whites were not accustomed to doing hard work as they claim that we are today. I heard one guy once said that whites are angry with blacks today and say that blacks are lazy. But now they call us lazy because we asked to get paid for our labor instead of back then when uh, when they had you working for free. So it's it's it's, it's one of those things we have to understand uh, just why certain things are 
and notice today about how poor Haiti is, earthquakes and different things that people coups that's going over there. But no one stand up for Haiti. America won't even let Haitians come into America. When even they having civil wars going on there, they refuse to let them come there. And and, and to me, it's a crying shame that a person would do another individual like that. Now, another person that 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 I like to say, I'm not sure if, if brother brother uh, Joe, uh, Professor Joe is on, on the line. If Professor Joe, if you're on the line, let me hear your voice. Brother Gary, are you on the line tonight? Well, if not, I, I'm going to just say a little something, touch on uh, Marcus Garvey is another person that was very, very strong and prolific for really the civil rights that's in America today. I know we read a lot about Dr. Martin Luther King and others, but we need to know about this man called Marcus Garvey, and we need to start reading our books and learn the true thing about it. But you have to understand that Marcus Garvey was born August 17th in 1887, but he was born in St. Anne Bay, Jamaica. Now, you have to understand that Marcus Garvey ended up being this prominent figure. Starting back in the early times, Marcus Garvey has always been very prominent and he went around. Now, Marcus Garvey, he was an orator of the Black Nationalism and Pan-American Movement, to which he founded the Universal Negro Improvement Association, an African committee League. Garvey advanced the Pan-African philosophy, which inspired a global mass movement known as Garveyism. See, Garveyism would eventually inspire others from the nation of Islam to the Rastafarian movement. Now, what are you talking about? Garvey just didn't stay in Jamaica, but he took his, his, his movement further than just Jamaica. You might say Jamaica, this little island, but, but Garvey took it further. And, and you have to understand that he was born in 1887, I told you, in St. Anne Bay, Jamaica. Mm -hmm. Self-educated, Garvey founded this Universal Negro Improvement Association. He dedicated his life for African-Americans that live in there to resettle. He asked them to resettle in Africa. Take your finances and your trade and go back to Africa. Garvey was uh, the last of 11 children born to Marcus Garvey Sr. And his, his mother's name was Sarah Jane Richard. Now, later on, you're going to find out that Garvey uh, came to he left when he left, excuse me, when Marcus left Jamaica, <clears throat> when he left Jamaica, Marcus went, went to um, Puerto Rico, and there he started organizing in Puerto Rico, but eventually he ended up in New York. And he, when he came to New York, he started putting together things because he, he was able mm -hmm. to do different things in New York where he wasn't able to do in other places. You have to understand when he had that United that that, that University United Negro Improvement Association, they renowned all over the United States. They had chapters all over. But what's ironic about it, 
they had more chapters of the United Negro uh, thing right here in Louisiana. Had more than anywhere else. There was 17. So the South wasn't as bad as others started. Now, I want us to listen at this. Garvey returned to Jamaica in 1912 after he had founded this Universal Improvement Association with a goal of all African dispersal and establishing the country, absolute government its own. In response to it, Booker T. Washington, an American educator who founded Tuskegee Institute, Garvey traveled to the United States in 1916 to raise funds for similar mm-hmm. ventures in Jamaica. This when he settled in New York and formed the UNIA chapter in Harlem to promote separatist philosophy for social, political, and economic freedom for blacks people. This happened in 1918. Garvey began publishing the widely distributed newspaper, Negro World, to convey his message. Now, listen to this. I know you haven't heard much about Garvey. This team, 19, the UNIA. Now, Martin Luther King and others came later on, but Garvey was already starting things right here. He started in Jamaica, and he moved it here, self-educated. And I find it strange today that our kids will not get themselves educated. For some reason, we refuse to get ourselves educated. And, you know, in August of 1920, the UNIA claimed 4 million members and held its first international convention at Madison Square Garden in New York City before a crowd of 25,000 people. All from all over the world, Marcus Garvey spoke of having pride in African history and culture, mm-hmm. and many found this word inspiring, but not all. Some established black leaders found his separatist philosophy ill-conceived. W.E. DeBose, a prominent black leader and officer of the NWCP, called Garvey the most dangerous enemy that the black race in America. Garvey felt DeBose was an agent of the white elitists. Now they 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 differ they had different opinion on what had happened. Now you have to understand too, the FBI J Edgar Hoover was fixated on running Garvey mm-hmm. out of the country and having Garvey watch every step of the way. Now I, I want you to understand whenever a person uh, really just really stand up for themselves, I found out that they're hated through. Uh, through the media, because for some reason, not some reason, I know what the reason is, uh, this thing about blacks being uh, inferior is still something that uh, whites have been embedded in them, and those that are educated know better than that. They understand who blacks really are. They understand who the Egyptians, they understand about the blacks in, in, in Nigeria and the Eurobos and people from Benai and, and other places, they know about Mali and they know about Timbuktu. They know about the Moors people, but we don't know about ourselves. So there's it's so much many things that mm-hmm. we've been successful in building that they had building, they're finding things, excavating things right now around Nigeria and other places uh, in the uh, mid, the mid, the middle parts of Africa. That go back 8,000 years, 8,000 years ago, they were just coming out of caves and 
uh, before that, less than 8,000, maybe about 6,000 years ago, they had not long came out of caves in, in Europe. Uh, and if you would even talk about it in the Europe, got that the European knowledge came from Greeks. The Greeks and the Greeks got their knowledge, you know, Herodias would tell you he had his, they got their knowledge, Herodias, and um, they would tell you they got their knowledge from uh, 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 Egypt. During that time, they were trained. So I want, I want you to understand that that you're no way uh, behind anyone else. So I, it's important, it's imperative that we understand these things. Now, I talked to you about two Sunday overtures. I talked to you about something about Marcus Garvey because Marcus Garvey really was the one who initiated the uh, civil rights movement for us. Really, mm-hmm. if you go back, he really started doing it. And, you know, we have this flag, the red, red, green, and black flag, red, black, and green flag, and he's the one at Pan-Africa who started that, that flag. So I, I want us to understand that. And under people, you think that people don't know about that. If people, you know, now this thing about DNA is, 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 is spreading like wildfire. DNA could do some of everything to help you find out who you are, where you came from, uh, who's your people. Because I, I, I take that ancestry of DNA and I, I've been finding mm-hmm. out exactly the different areas that are uh, in me from coming through slavery. I have so many different places like Yoruba is, is the most uh, part of me is Yoruba and it's on the Congo and Yoruba. But then it's next, uh, it's, uh, the next, I think it's, now I think it's Nigerian and it's, it's some others. It's Mali, it's, it's Benai and Ghana and things like that, uh, Sierra Leone and, and other things. But then I have Native Americans. I have Irish and Eastern European, Northeastern European, Germanic, and things like that, blood. And I know how this, how this Germanic and other things that came about in my bloodline and come by my great ancestors being raped. But nevertheless, this thing about DNA, it tells you a lot. But when these white scientists begin, the DNA, this DNA, they found that everyone could trace our DNA back in the maternal line, meaning the, the female line, inherited to my, a mitochondria DNA within the cells of all humans, have theoretically the common ancestors. And, and, and theoretically, all of us came from the same person. No matter what color is, your complex, it's this account of the complex uh, of your complex. This woman name was mitochondria Eve. Now, mitochondria Eve, and it's important that we get this in, and really put this in our head. In between 100 to 200,000 years ago, they found this lady around, around Tanzania, uh, around, the, around going to a, a sub-Saharan Africa. She was not the first human. But eventually, other human lineage eventually had no female offspring. Fell in the past on this mitochondrial DNA, and as a result of all humans mm-hmm. today, carry traces can trace their mitochondrial DNA back to mitochondria. This black woman, within her DNA and that of her peers, is this all the genetic variation we see in contemporary humans. Humans, Eve time, 
different populations of humans have, have drifted apart genetically from a distinct ethnic group that we see today. Now, and, and what that tells us that it does not matter if you're from China, it does not matter if you're from Japan, India, Russia, North Northwestern Europe, Europe, uh, Native American, South America, uh, those out in the Pacific Islanders, Australians, Aboriginals. No matter where you come from, you carry this dated mm-hmm. DNA. You carry a DNA. Everyone came from us. Now, now. Out of Africa didn't start until 70,000 years ago. And, and, and now these are things that people don't want taught in school today. They don't want the truth. It's not CRT. It's not critical race theory. And that's one thing that they're fighting so hard to tell and let their children, and then I'm talking about Europeans, I'm talking about Caucasians, fighting so hard to keep their children from learning the truth, who they are. And they will find out that they came from Africa. That 1.3 billion people that live in Africa, you know, you have to understand that. That 1.3 billion people is so much more than that list. 700 and what, Mm 7.700 million uh, Caucasians in the world. Just not counting the African people that's are that's not living on the African continent, it, it, it dwarfs the population of, of just the Caucasian race, just in Africa alone. Not counting the Africans in India, not counting the Africans that live in Europe, not counting the Africans that live African that 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 migrated to Canada or America, uh, South America, the islands and. Uh, uh, no, it, all over the world, Pacific Islands. Now, now it's imperative that we understand those things. That that these are things that's not that that people don't want taught. And they even show you further information on it. About 315 years before the birth of Christ, they had a man who died about mm-hmm. 315 years before Christ, and he he he, he was living in South Africa. He is the closest known relative or the closest match yet known to humanity to the female ancestor, mitochondria Eve. Now, this is Africa. They know he was a fisherman because he lived on the coast, and he's the closest genetic match to mitochondria Eve. They found his fossils around what they call St. Helen Bay in South Africa. And if you want to look it up, you can find the archaeologist's name, uh, was Andrew Smith at the University of Cape Town. Now it's imperative that we understand these things. It 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 is so imperative that we understand who we are. You have to understand even before mitochondria Eve, they found they found fossils much earlier than they found millions of years ago. They found mm-hmm. what they call uh Homo habilis and when you talk about Homo habilis, you talk about man first walking upright, and they call her Lucy is Australopithecus, and they found the fossil in 1974 uh, around uh, in Ethiopia. Now, 
when they found Miss Fossil, what they called her Lucy, and she was found by Don Johansson and Tom Gray. Miss uh, Fossil, they named her Lucy. She was three point three point two million years old. This hermit was known as Lucy. Three million two hundred thousand years ago, she walked the earth from Africa. And then they even go, even not further back, but you could go about, they got what you call zenzatropy. Zenzatropy mm-hmm. is two point, I think, six million years. And these discoveries were made by Louis Leakey and his wife, Mary Douglas Leakey. And uh, these, you're talking about paleontologists who discovered the first proconsul score. And you, you, you're talking about, when they talk about the word proconsul, mean that these some apes that start walking upright and they're the closest extinct ape that, you know, they believe they're ancestral to human beings. But I beg to differ with their finding on that. Now, Mary Douglas, uh, she discovered a robust, what they call Zenzantropy, Zenzantropus, uh skull in the old deep guard. That's in Tanzania. That's where they say life originated from. In the OD God, a little bit over there around uh, Mount Kilimanjaro. Uh, several archaeological and anthropological mm-hmm. fossils of the ancestral ape and human. While excavating the OD guards, they found tools and utensils dating back, stating that man was able to make tools millions of years ago. And that, that man just didn't start making tools, that man was able to make different things millions of years ago. Now, when they say that Lucy, they talk about Lucy and others, they say that she was bipedability, walking upright. Some of them go back, they even found some footprints in volcanic ash that go back to 3.75 million years ago. You know, we have to understand Tim White came, Tim White discovery came before Lucy. 4.4 4.4 million years ago. It has so much. All these things came from a place in Africa. Mm-hmm. You have to understand, they know, I mean, the, the study, when, whenever they're looking for fossils or find out where did man originate from, and it's a known fact, but it's not taught the way it should be taught, uh, but they, they go to Africa to find the oldest fossils in the world of where the human originate, they go to Africa because they know that 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 black, the color black or the color of African is the real color of mankind. They know that is the prime color of mankind. Now, other colors are just almost like a mixture of fade color. Okay, we have to understand, too, when you start talking about uh, genetics, you have to deal with a person called uh, Gregoire Mendel, and he was noted by most people as the father of genetics. And he, from him, we find out that with mm-hmm. the genetics, it deals with the inheritance involving, you know, the passing on discrete units of genes from one parent to another. In other words, that we we inherit our our parents' genes. But I want want you to understand, and and I'm gonna uh, tell you some things about about what Mendel came up. Mendel uh, Law explained how we 
pick up different traits and talk about different uh, colors and things or different things that represent dominant uh, traits or dominant genes or uh, recessive genes. Now, Mendel had some laws, and it deal with uh, when people came out of Africa, out of Africa, he had the law of independence or assortment. If you assault people independently and other, they're going to resemble a certain way. And then they had the independence dominant, the people that the, the dominant people will prevail. If you take a dominant, mm-hmm. the dominant uh, person, the color is going to always come out that way. You can't get uh, uh, dominant from a recessive. And then the law of segregation. The law of segregation, if you segregate certain people to certain areas, they'll begin to multiply, look like that person. And I, I think about it when I look at China and look at if you go to different countries that that does not mix with other countries like China and Russia and Japan, the people are going to look like Jap- The Japanese people look like Japanese. The Chinese look like Chinese. They're not black. But like America is a, a melting pot, so you'll find people. But Mendel came up with certain things with his law. Mendel came up and found out that black and brown skin come from dominant genes. And that word dominant means superior. Brown eyes came from <laughs> dominant genes. He said light skin came from recessive genes. Blue eyes came from recessive genes. Now, I, I, I hate to bust certain people bubble, and I know a lot of even the scientists, Caucasian scientists, don't like to admit these facts. See, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break that down in a few. Now, what you could do, you could get the, you could take two dominant people, and the two dominant people could come from the Sudan in Africa, which the darkest people in the world come from. And you could take those two individuals and put them together, and they could come up with a child that look white. It's called albino. But you can't take two white individuals and make a, a black child. Because, see, you could get the recessive from the dominant, but you can't get the dominant from the recessive. Because the, the dominant is is superior, mm-hmm. and the recessive is... is uh, it's 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 a, a recessive. Now, and if you think I'm kidding about that, all you have to do is find that the report on what they call hidden DNA discovery, only found in Black African people. And, and all you have to do is look it up, Carter T. Otis. And then um, you have to look this up, and it's called the World DNA. Strand, the American Association of the Advancement of Science, a DNA series, genome. And you can look it up. You can find this man's name is Dr. Edward Robinson. And he, he made some profound statements. Now, when you, you look in this up, and I want when I say things, I, I, I want you guys to learn to go back mm-hmm. and look over these things and because I don't want to ever lie to you. See, see, we have a different series. Now, what they call this thing is, uh, it's called the Global Pattern of Disequilibrium. It measured the intelligence of people and the possibility for people 
to be a genius. Listen to what I'm saying. It's called uh, this measure your intelligence. The greater the number of the series, the greater is possibility is to be a, a genius. It's called a global pattern of disequilibrium. Think, and I've said this several nights, but I want this because I don't know if it's if there are some new individuals that's tuning in tonight to my show, but I want us to understand you got DNA have sequence and DNA have series. Mm-hmm. Now I want you to understand that sequence could help tell what area uh, your ancestors came from, but the series could help you deal with the intelligent level. Most uh, scientists, arche- archaeologists, uh, anthropologists, and many others, uh, especially anthropologists, uh, talk about that uh, anthropologists. They say we came from apes and others. So to find out about the intelligence of humans, you have to start from where they say we originated from. And so the first animal they test from the ape family was the orangutan, orangutan. And notice what I, I tried to tell you guys, that uh, the higher the series, the more intelligent that, that that animal person is. Now, this is 15 scientists who wrote this paper. They didn't publish the book, but it's copyrighted. Copyrighted on the global patterns of this equilibrium. They found out that the orangutan, the orangutan have three series, and that that that's low. Then they tested the gorilla. The gorilla had four series. They even tested the chimpanzee, and the chimpanzee had five series. Now, then they said, well, we had tested the animals, and the chimpanzees was the closest to the human being, and the chimpanzee had a higher series uh, than uh, the rest of the gorilla or the, or the orangutan. So that's the one that they say that we came from, the chimp family. Now, now, now they went to Europe in these other areas where Caucasians, Japanese, and other places all over the world. And when they tested those endohumans, they came up with six series higher than any chimpanzee, any gorilla, any orangutan, and any other. But one place they did not test, they didn't test Africa. And when they decided to test Africa, they test people from West Africa. And for those uh, African-Americans who live in America, most of our people that came over as slaves, the slaves came from West Africa. They tested the West Africans. And when they test the West African, the West African came up with nine series, three series above all the other races. Now, notice they said that series is a measure of intelligence, and the greater possibility of being a genius is the higher your series is. Now, now Africans were nine had nine series, so that's three higher than the six for the other nations, the Caucasians in Europe. Now, I want you to understand this. Have you ever under, have you ever paid attention that every field that African Americans have been able to 
participate in or allowed us to get into. They were talking about, even talking about the Tuskegee Airmen, how good a, a fighter pilots they were. Then uh, when you talk about fiber optic wiring, uh, 5G and all this other stuff, communications, all kind of things like this, they're talking about fiber optic. Do you know that blacks invented that? You're talking about some, we're talking about individuals that are very, very intelligent. Now, through slavery, we have this thing been interbreeded and molding on us that we dumb in, that we, 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 we're inferior to other races, but the other races know mm-hmm. that you're not inferior at all, that you carry dominant genes. The GPS system, global positioning system, it works out of space. It works on land. When I travel out of state, I could put my GPS and and I could just I could key in the, the address of someone in Florida and we leave Louisiana and it drive me right up to their door. And global position, wow, a black lady, fiber optic, a black lady. And that cell phone is just just about over half of America is not counting all over the world have cell phones. That was invented by a black person. The typewriter, a black person. The gas mask used in all the refineries, mm-hmm. chemical plants for war. Invented by a black man. Safety goggles, eye protection. The elevator for all these high-rise buildings. The clothes dryer. The air-conditioned unit. The Armanek Hyatt plant. The different parts of the moon, full moon, half moon, how to plant your crops, the high tide, the low tide. This is blacks. Most of the people, farmers today, use the almanac to, to plant their crops by. This is a black man. Blood plasma bag, the lawnmower, the lube cup. Without a lube cup, you couldn't have a train. You couldn't have an airplane. You couldn't have more automobiles because... Uh, uh, if you run these metal parts, it will weld itself itself together when it overheats. The refrigerator, Mm -hmm. the spark plug, not one car could run without a spark plug. Now, the stethoscope is so old, it was invented by Amon Hotel in Egypt, one of the builders of the first step pyramid. Now, I know that we were told and by television, how it lies to us that 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 they show some white people, which the whites were not the Hebrews, that the Hebrews built a pyramid. But they say during Moses' time, Moses was actually uh, 1,300 years before Christ. And 1,300 years before Christ, that would make it 3,300 and some odd years. The pyramids is over 5,000 years old, some six. So the children of Israel wasn't even there when they when they get when they were if they did go to when they were in Egypt the pyramids had already been built. So that's just mm-hmm. Hollywood that that we're looking at. That's just Hollywood that we're looking at. All we have to do is do the research and you'll find these things out. Uh, the stomach that control. Why would we be with all of this traffic without a traffic light? That's a, 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 a black invented this. this these are ex-slaves. The electric light bulb, bulb. This is blacks. 
And now I, I don't want to keep naming because I got so many more I could name, but I just wanted to name name some certain things that uh we that we uh that blacks have invented just to let you know the intelligent level and to let you know that you're no way dumb. But it's it's not taught in high school. And no one wanted taught in high school because the uh, the 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 young white kids they'll find out that mm-hmm. they're not responsible for inventing a lot of things, not to make them feel dismayed or down or anything, but why why you won't teach this in school because then they would realize that they didn't really invent a fine thing that when they came to to the Americas around Hispaniola, it was already uh, they already had people living there. When they came to the Americas, you can't discover a place with millions and millions of individuals. You cannot do that. So that's very very important that we we, we understand that that you cannot that and then tell tell them the truth that you kill off the people and took their land. Uh, there's so much that need to be taught the truth about all these inventions. And I, I, you know, I oftentimes I see this. I see this while we're talking. It's never mm-hmm. taught that they had blacks in, in 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 America long before Columbus or anyone came this way. And 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 you know, this this elderly white lady. Her name is Jane Elliott. She is she's an anti-race racism activist and she made a statement on television and she'd been on several television shows and she made this statement she said she once made a statement and said that wouldn't have to that wouldn't have to be a black life matter if we didn't have 300 years of black lives don't matter and how they're still killing different people and then dr keith chain explained and he writes this that white people is a mutation of African, is a mutation of African. That's the one thing mm-hmm. they don't do. In other words, you just are offspring of African. And in reality, if I have a white catfish, it's called an albino. If I have a white alligator, I'm from Louisiana now. If I come up with a white alligator, it's called albino alligator. If I have a white tiger, that white tiger is called albino tiger. If I have a white lion, it's albino. Everything is albino or albino that comes out white. But I found out that when it comes to white folks, they don't like to admit that they're really albino because they know that that they're, they're no more than a mutation. And it's important that we don't we don't have very good vocabularies and things. So it's time that we start doing our research. Now it's important that we understand. See, the mm-hmm. definition of a mutation. A mutation is this, and I'm telling you now. Listen at what I'm about to say, and I'm gonna take my time and explain this. A white folk mutated from Africans that don't have the color because they lost their color. Listen at what a mutation is. A mutation is the change of a structure of a genome resulting in a variant form that may be transmitted 
to subsequent generations. So when this the this, this this the change of this genome happened, they've been passing on to subsequent generations and coming out this color. Caused it was caused by an alteration of a single base unit of DNA or depletion or insertion or rearrangement of a larger section of a gene. All it did is they say a deletion. That the deletion mm-hmm. is in melanin. They don't have melanin, so they don't have skin color. They can't live in the heated area because they don't have melanin to block the sun rays, okay? That's why you wear dark-colored eyeglasses when you're working and the sun is beaming now. Now, in other words, a mutation is the – now, listen to what they said. A mutation is ultimately the only way in which you vary variants in a species. The only way a new variant, a new uh, race or species can come in is through a mutation of one. And the mutation occurred with Africans. Okay, now we've been hearing about mutation and COVID-19 mutating and this variant. You start with the COVID-19, okay? And then you, you have the, the next strain, Delta strain uh, variant of it. Then you go to, to, to Omicron. Not, we, we we listen at them talk about things on television and other places, radio, and we look it up on YouTube and we find out what they talk about variants. Now the the definition of a variant is very good to tell you what how white the color people change color. Tell you that they were black. A variant is, is a form or version of something that differ in some respect from other forms of the same thing or from a standard. They are variant. They came, you know, the, the they were black, but they came about in respects to another form. They changed the form of what they were. Now, even now, we, we, we sometimes we use the difference in the hair. But I submit to you that there are difference in hair mm-hmm. in different places in Africa that does not have European blood in them. Africa come, the African people from Africa could be brown. They could be the darkest of the dark. They could be brown. They could have curly, straight hair. It does not matter that their hair is there. And also, uh, I'm not going to get into it because I'm about to open the lines and certain things that I wanted to uh, talk about uh, suddenly over to it and briefly touch on uh, Marcus Garvey and uh, talk about the voting rights that's going on that's not being looked at because of Ukraine. But we have problems right here in America. We need to need to solve problems. Try, try to solve these problems at home. I don't want anyone to die, but we need to concentrate here because a whole lot of people is totally satisfied with what's going on. And, and blacks are still dying on the street at the hands of police and still getting away with killing mm-hmm. blacks and they come up with things while we are angry people because you keep killing us and you never get punished until you start punishing you and you stop killing us, then that. And, and I'm very well aware of how we're killing one another because I'm an advocate activist against black-on-black crime. And I'm going to open it up. I always want to 
get a, the, the understand, don't let them fool you about, like, whites, European was the first people to come over here. They have always been uh, people of the African uh, Negro features that always lived in America. Some of the Native Americans were of the Negro race. Okay, but even down in Mesoamerica, the Olmec people, mm-hmm. and you could go down there and they have these Olmec colossal heads made of basalt, there's basalt boulders, and they range from 1.7 to 3.4 meters. Some of them date back to 900 years before Christ, back to King David time. Omec, and then, you know, you talk about thousands of years before uh, Columbus ever came. And Columbus, we need to stop lying that he came to America. Because where I told you about two Sunday over to it, he landed out there what they call Hispaniel, which is around one side or other side of Haiti, they call it Hispaniel. The Omec, uh, Omec is a civilization of ancient Mesoamerican. Some are in the Mexi- in Mexico called La Venta, San Lorenzo, Zapatez, Veracruz, and then some of them date back as far as 1200 B.C., almost during the time of Moses, 1200 B.C., these, these people were here. Some say they were here before Aztecs. They might... The Aztecs might all greet it from them. There's a toll that they found. Oh. Colossal heads have been discovered to this day in Tenzo, Tenoma, and San Lorenzo, and Formas in La Venta. And they even have them some in the Andes Mountains. And so it's things that, that, that we need to research to find out about these uh, things about that's going on. And it's another thing. Let us learn what systemic racism is. It's the same thing as almost mm-hmm. institutional racism. Institutional racism is also known as systemic racism. It's a form of racism that is embedded as normal practice within society. That's in America. Where when we say that America, uh, by systemic racism in America, is is uh, practice within the society as a normal practice within society and organization. It can lead to um, through discrimination and criminal justice, employment, housing, health care, political powers, education. It reflected in the disparity regarding wealth, income, and criminal justice. Now, I just spell out United States of America dealing with African American people. All these things says we have always been discriminated against. Excuse, excuse me, discriminated against in the judicial system, the criminal justice system, employment, housing, health care, political power, education, mm-hmm. disparity regarding the wealth and income. All of this is, is reflective what we're going through right now in America, not during slavery, not in the 18 or the 1500s, but in America this very day today. God bless you. I just thank God for 
my listeners who are listening in, and I pray that the information and the things that I talked about, that people could take this in and, and feel interested in, definitely we should feel interested in picking up books and reading these books and becoming familiar with the different books that we have. Mm. And that, that learn about yourself. You know, I love when the Bible, the Bible said my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. We don't even know who we are. We, 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 we've been told, and it's been, we, we've been, we, our eyes should be open to the fact that we lost our culture. We lost our history. We lost our language. We don't have people without a history, without a culture, without a language. The culture that we carry right now is Eurocentric. It's it's it's, it's European. It's Caucasians. You know, we live up to all the expectations. What looks good? How we should live our life? Everything is patterned up on those who are conquered and killed the people and took their land, and, the, and who enslaved us. That's where our culture comes from. So it's time that we realize it and we stand up and learn about ourselves and do better mm-hmm. and become a self-sufficient people. And we don't have to leave America, but we sure could 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 stand up and be another Black Wall Street, Tulsa, Oklahoma, and be a beautiful city. Because no one is going to help you. We need to help ourselves. And that way, I do believe what Marcus Garvey said that we should help ourselves. And sometimes I've had so many people, and these educators say that uh, integration might have hurt us more than it helped us because it, it it made us go to sleep like we was going some way and never went anyway. Thank you, and God bless you. Uh, Pastor Williams, you could open the lines up and read for our Q&A. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you, Pastor. Uh, thank you for that powerful show. Uh, uh, all of our listeners tonight, Pastor, are coming through the Internet based on the numbers that I'm looking at. Uh, there are no new callers on the line. Uh, so just want to inform you of that. And uh, all of our listeners are, are listening through the Internet. So want to give shouts out and God bless you for turning us on tonight. We see you, uh, but uh, you can't talk through the Internet. But we definitely uh, thank you for turning us on. Uh, thank you for that, Pastor. Go back. Yeah, the mic is back to you. God bless you, and, and good evening, and good evening to everyone. God bless you guys. Uh, I just pray it was something said or done in this uh, lecture that would give us more knowledge of just about the origin of mankind and the most important parts that the Africans uh, played in uh, and the lives that have been uh, perpetrated purposely uh, on the African-Americans and, and the African culture, uh, the, all the knowledge that came from Kim and which is Egypt and uh, Mali, where you could go and have find Timbuktu and other places that of uh, in Morocco places that were uh, African way that they taught at schools and were very, very uh, people, very academic. Uh, and this is where mainly Europe got their learning from, came from Africa, 
the teachings, the architects, the math, the science, astronomy, all these, these things came from Africa. And all you have to do is, is just learn to read about Herodias. And then also Aristotle also, he admitted that his knowledge came from um, Egypt. So all of this came from Africa. Egypt is Africa. The Sudanese, the Nubians, these people were uh, around the area of Kenya. These were the first uh, people uh, that were uh, Egyptians, the first kings, and and the people, the builders of the pyramid, because there are more uh, pyramids in the Sudan, even to this very day, than that's in Egypt. So those, those are things that we do. We don't really I just like to try to open our, our, our eyes to different facts that, 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 that's true. There are so many facts that for some reason Europeans don't want to teach the truth because the children will find out that they do very little for this society and culture. But nevertheless, they still uh, perpetrate lies. And so I'm just going to, I want to open eyes to these things. So when I think, uh, I want to say thank you to Pastor Williams for uh, being the one who like these shows to go forward, that we can learn of ourselves and have be proud of who we are. Uh, so many of us, because of our dark skin, think that you're ugly because you're in a European society where they're more or less like they're albino and and we don't look like you're albino and if your hair is not straight like a horse's hair, you're not a nice looking person. If you and I wanna say this, all you have to do is look up the majority of people are Africans that live on the east coast of Africa have pointed noses. A broad nose doesn't necessarily Okay, it just mean that all Africans have broad nose. African comes in every complexion, but the majority of them, no matter how dark they are, on the, on the east co- eastern coast of Africa, especially northeastern coast of Africa, they have noses that are pointed. And if if you live around high like mountainous area areas and other things, to the one you know, you're going to be pointed. It's a lot of different things that that go on. Um, that you see to this very day. So I just wanted one to touch bases on that. And again, I want to thank Pastor William. I've been a little under the weather, but he really made sure that his people are filled with knowledge. And I just want to say thank you to take my hat off to you for your, for your intelligence and for your knowledge. And for your leadership, God bless you. Amen. God bless you, Pastor Kemp. God bless you, sir. Uh, continue to lift up prayers to you, sir. And um, we thank everybody for turning us on tonight. Don't forget to uh, uh, keep everybody in prayer, man. Pray without ceasing. Learn your history. All right, Pastor, you can pray us out when you're ready. Father, we come in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we come asking, Lord, that you would open our hearts. And, Lord, that you would open our minds, that we'd be receptive to your holy word. And, Lord, we pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you will look over this world, that you will look in Ukraine and all these other places, 
that people are dying on battlefields. Innocent people are losing their lives simply because of one country would like to conquer another. And, Lord, we just ask, Lord, that you would move on man's heart and let him know we don't have to live like this. This is so unnecessary that we live hating one another. And the lies that have been perpetrated through the Europeans about Jesus Christ and his love for mankind. And when I say, say the lies that have been perpetrated, I'm talking about how they, for years they've been lying and they they want us to not turn the other cheek. They want us to do different things, but they are the ones that are doing all the killing and the savagery that they do. But they still tell they want us to feel that we are the one, and that's not true. We're not the savages, and we're not the one. So, Lord, I want I want you to 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 to, to enlighten us, Lord, that. We're living in a country that the people say that they're trying to do it Roe versus Wade. They say you're against abortions, but then you're against human rights all the way around. You want women's rights, but then you take the women's rights. I mean, it's it's nothing Christian that I see about America and the culture that's that's here. It's a culture of white supremacy. And, Lord, I just thank you, Lord, that, that you look down and that you move. Give us the wisdom and knowledge that we have insight where we can change things. We just thank you and we praise you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you, Pastor Kemp. Thank you for a powerful show, everyone. Thank you for turning this on. Continue to break chains in your life. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. And in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. God bless you. We love you. And ain't nothing you can do about it. Have yourself a blessed evening. Good night, everybody. God bless you. Pastor Kim, thank you for a powerful show. Continue to break chains, everyone. Check this commercial out, y'all. I want y'all to listen to this. I'm State Representative Sam Jones. On Tuesday, May 24th, I will be on the ballot for re-election to House District 99. I need your vote to continue our fight against voter suppression, false claims of critical race theory, laws that prevent peaceful protests, a flawed criminal justice system, and other efforts to attack our constitutional rights that we've fought so hard to achieve. Experience does matter. Vote Sam Jones, District 99, on May 24th. Paid for the Sam Jones campaign. My people, I love you. We're family. Living happily. Living happily, but you hurt me. Yeah. Why not work for peace? Why not work for peace? 
Thanks for turning us on this evening. Just know we are here to assist you in recovering your light from back from the darkness. Speak the truth with Young Adults Talk Live, a ministry for the people of God. So let's join together and recover what's ours. God bless you from the Young Adults Talk family.